American Hammers Radio presents Fortunes Always Hiding. The talk of a DeLorean being the sponsor for West Ham, I think would be the most West Ham thing next year. Yes, our right. our first uh, our first sponsor change for our great, wonderful championship season, the DeLorean. Right? It's amazing. I could only what they should do the first game of the season player introductions. Everyone comes out in a DeLorean and just like the door opens and they just pop out. I think that would be the coolest way to start off the season, like kind of like a space age nineteen eighties sort That's of right. vibe. That's right. So even if we don't go back up, which we probably would not, I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, we would still be so damn cool. Yeah, it's definitely cooler than the uh, Chevrolet endorsement. Uh, <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, I know, I know they get a lot of money from that. Like more than we've, like probably more than we've ever gotten for you know, all probably of our sponsors put together. Yeah, probably more than we're worth. <laughs> yeah, Chevy buys them at least one transfer a year, probably. Yeah, that's actually probably a close accurate statement. All right, and on that note, welcome into uh, Fortunes Always Hiding on the American Hammers Radio. My name is Zach. I'm joined, as always, by Chris and by John. Guys, what's been up with you? Uh, nothing much. Uh, just same old, same old uh, work in school uh, and watching West Ham uh, disappoint us always. <laughs> yeah, pretty much the same, except for... Uh, the school thing instead of uh, I'm uh, just being a dad and trying to keep up with a, a 14 month old. So um, yeah, and remember, SpongeBob jokes always works on, work on them. <laughs> he doesn't know what SpongeBob is. Dude's never watched television. My wife is a, my wife is a speech language pathologist, and she would she would put every single one of you guys over her knee and spank you if you tried to make and not in a fun way. Um, and, and, and try to, if you tried to get my kid to watch TV. Oh, wow. Honey, oh. if you listen to this, I love you. <laughs> don't, worry, right. don't worry. Don't worry. She doesn't. <laughs> and on that note, um, so yesterday was the Super Bowl. I just happened to be down in South Florida and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going. So I went to the Super Bowl. First ever one. Security was a nightmare. Um, just really quickly before we talk about West Ham. So, Security to get in, like there's line, like you get in, you get in line, um, and they pat you down, make sure you don't have anything, and then they go and check your bags, and you go through a metal detector. The first place you went to said they would not check bags; they would not allow you in with bags. And this was security for everything. Once you got through and scanned your ticket, you were in. And that was the most bullshit thing ever because there are signs literally everywhere saying "clear bags only," twelve by twelve by six. And they literally had cards. If your pocketbook or wristlet was too big, they could measure it. It was the most bullshit thing I've ever seen. And we had to go to another line and get in. Security was a fucking nightmare. You have years to fucking plan this. I've been to two Olympics as well. And the two Olympics were so fucking well done. And I, that's my, that's the gold standard. I also went to the World Cup, and that was very well done. But Zach, Zach, have you been to a Premier League match? Not yet, but I have been to the London series uh, last summer. I'm sure you heard my interview with Lee many, many years ago. It was like four months ago, um, where I described going to Upton Park for the first time. And and if you didn't, because I know you didn't, 
I'm going to go ahead and just tell you really quickly. Um, I was frisked by the largest man I've ever like had touched <laughs> me in my life. Um, he was about as wide as Carlton Cole laying on his back. And um, like, I mean, long way. I'm going to guess six ten. Um, and uh, he looks at me and I'm wearing an overcoat because it's January. Can you step aside, please, sir? And yes, for all you English people that listen to this, my English accent is absolutely atrocious. Feel free to make fun. And so I step out of line and he starts searching me, like frisking me and not like just waves his arms over me. He's he's going to town, man. He's like, like there was no part of my body that was like hidden. And so this big group of Cockney dudes roll by and they say, oh, check it out. Bro. He's well tooled up <laughs> because he thought I had weapons. Right. So like looking at bags going into the Super Bowl is not is not that shocking compared to the level of security. Oh, no, 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 no. Not, no, not looking at bags, not allowing bags in. That's that was the problem. They weren't allowing them in that specific gate. So we had to go to another line. And when we got to the line, it was the line was so fucked up. Security had no control over the situation whatsoever. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's, <laughs> four hours, it's two o'clock. It's four hours before kickoff. You expected a little bit of organizational skills with something that's been planned for so long, and it just was a gigantic mess. The World Cup was so running smooth, fucking smoothly. Well, dude, this this is the same country that get the TSA right. I mean, we've we've, we've known that how that works forever. And uh, I like I flew uh, out of out of like the same trip, I guess. I, and uh, they broke the lineup into different parts, and. I, I breeze through it. So yeah, this I'm not I'm not that uh, confident in America with a queue. Yeah, security in this country needs a massive overhaul. Anyway, let's talk about West Ham Liverpool. Uh, what a We have to. We're putting it off, people. <laughs> what a disappointing game. Well, I guess in, in all seriousness, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, going into the match, everyone was predicting like five, six, nothing. So two, two nil felt like a, almost like a small moral victory for us. Yes. So uh, Jeremy Nagit, Nagit, Nagitia, N-G-A-K-I-A. Ngakia. Ngakia. I was trying, I, I was taught by Irish Tommy how to pronounce it. And I could not remember it. I have, He'll remind you on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. He it says that he's an English international. I have no idea his cultural heritage. I would actually like to learn it because it's one. It's a weird spelling. It's a weird name. Anyways, he makes his debut at the age of nineteen. So good for him. We're getting back to the academy of football. We're bringing in youth. Yay, boys! You get a thumbs up for that. All right. So the game goes on. Really, nothing really major until about the thirtieth some odd minute, uh, and they get a. And they get an Issa Diop screws up and gets a yellow. And then as they're looking at the looking at the yellow to make sure that it was yellow, they were also looking at a handball and whether or not it was a handball or not. Did you guys think it was a handball? I mean if you're looking at some of the other stuff they've called this year, sure. Um, was it really a handball? No, but was Declan Rice's really a handball? No. So, I don't know. Well, well, let, let's just remember who we're dealing with. Like, yeah, that's the truth. Liverpool, who earlier this season had Virgil van Dyke, an arm above his head where the ball hits it, come down and nothing given. Oh, it's all good. So, I mean, and, and, 
under definition of the rule, yes, uh, whether we like it or not. I mean, again, like you said, the, the whole rice thing, it shouldn't be a handball, but under rule of law uh, right now, yes, it was. But for Liverpool, obviously, things kind of cut differently. Yeah. So for me, I noticed, I know, I know that the ball changed direction before going to his foot, but I couldn't tell if it was his arm or if it was his body that hit the ball. I would need another angle. If there was a closer down low angle looking forward, I would have loved that. Also, if we could get a flat, uh, corner pole, uh, camera, kind of like what the NFL has with the, um, pylon cams, I would love that. I realize that that's very expensive to do, but again, I'm Come thinking on. ahead. I'm innovating. Premier League really doesn't yeah. have the money. Yeah, bullshit. It's the most popular. Yeah, I think, I think right. more, more than anything, it's just the risk. I mean, you see how many people celebrate with the corner flags by hitting them. I've, how many, hang on, how many times in an NFL game do people hit the people hit the pylon going in? But it's, it's located internally in the pylon. This one would have to, like, I mean, it's a flag post. Unless you thicken the uh, the size of it, uh, it's going to be sitting on the exterior of it. No, no, no it's, you it's, make- it's all because they we they don't want. Any more cameras? They don't want any more technology. They finally got VAR correctly. In fact, I mean, we'll talk more about VAR later. But um, you know what? It it's a complete disaster. They need an innovative American owner who wants to come over there. They need a Lamar Hunt type to come in and be like, "You guys are doing it wrong. I can make you a ton more money. We just need to do this, this, and this." And then at the owners' meeting. Vote on it, and they're not going to vote for it. But you need that you need a general support that way. Um, anyways, am I being too American right now? Yes, I am. But that's a story for a whole nother time. You need an American to come show you guys how to run things over there. Don't worry, we can do it. <laughs> um, so Liverpool scores, and and the first half goes on like pretty much that. And other than a no ball yellow at the forty third, there's really not much more to talk about in the first. Um, but I do want to bring up ball possession stats. Liverpool outpossessed West Ham seventy-two to twenty-eight in the first half alone, and dangerous attacks were twenty-nine thirteen to Liverpool. West Ham only had one goal attempt, one freaking goal attempt. I, I don't. I, I, I'm, 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 I can interject real quick. I, you could have guessed that from the get-go, not just because it was West Ham versus Liverpool, but just from the uh, base lineup, going five at the back like we did. We were anticipating being on the back foot, having to defend more. So that, those stats really don't surprise me all that much. Yeah, but, I mean, like as soon as you go five at the back, if you let one goal slip through, what, what's your game plan? I, I, you always say, we don't have one. You're screwed. Yeah, I mean, like you know, what are you gonna? How are you gonna come back if you've got you know five people at the back? And um, look, guys, we're you know we can go ahead and address this now. The five thing, the five at the back thing, he's doing it because he worked the first time, and it looks terrible this time. It has been atrocious every time he's tried it. Yeah, I, that, we're jumping a little bit ahead of, ahead of ourselves, but in terms of relevancy, I mean, going up against uh, Brighton, I did love the four at the back. I, we went, we at least put some ambition into it. I don't think that the three or the five at the back works, especially for the players that we have. Had he been given some more time, uh, or not time, I shouldn't say, but actually more financial freedom and being able to bring in the players he probably wanted to to be able to institute that, maybe it. Worked, but well, we see, I, 
I think it, I think it's the opposite. I think it's the fact that like he doesn't feel that he has the players to play four at the back the way he wants. So it's a fear based tactic. He's reverting to describe as three at the back uh, with two wing backs, but it never works out that way, right? They always retreat, and then we always end up weak in midfield, and so it actually makes us more vulnerable rather than less vulnerable. Well, the issue is always, too, he doesn't throw three center backs out there. He puts Cresswell in the back line. So what? stupid. So I, so I don't know if it is a personnel issue, if he doesn't trust all the three center backs that he has, yeah. or if it's like I've thought about it before. I mean, if you need to, you can almost rotate around into a flat back four with Masuaku pushing up. Um, I think right. that could be it, but I, it just doesn't make sense to me. No, I mean, and because he's clearly lost faith in Balbuena after that disaster showing recently. Um, and then who's our other backup center back? We got Reed, who's supposedly going to go to the MLS, and then Cardozo, right? Who's like, what, 19 or 20? And is yeah, he ever played, he's ever started for us? Yeah. But if anything, what that match against Liverpool shows is that you utilize the youth player more. Uh, yeah. play more. Ngaki, Absolutely. Ngakia comes in and has a world, almost like, I wouldn't say worldly, but a hell of a first performance. He had he had a strong, strong debut. I will say that he was at fault for some serious errors where he didn't follow his man. Um, well, and, and against that. You you know in the Premier League, boy, they, you do that once or twice, and, and it costs you a goal. Um, but to be very fair, it's nothing that Mazwaku doesn't do every single time he plays. So I mean, yeah. and, and it was his first outing, not just again in for West Ham, uh, the first team, but in the Premier League, and it was against a team that hasn't lost this season. So I mean, no, I think he did well. I I, I know people were sl- uh, slating him early. Uh, on Twitter that I saw, but um, I might just give him time. (laughs) Let him grow into the game. Let him grow into the system or what little system there is. I liked him. I liked him. I I also thought he should have been given a run out against Brighton. So we need need to move on because we still have a shit ton to talk about. All right. uh, Going on to the second half, Lanzini. Well, what the fuck's wrong with Lanzini? He had two great chances in that game. He had... He had a great chance for the 14th minute, and then in the 49th minute, he kind of just, like, towed it? I don't know. It was just, like, really bizarre. Normally, he would destroy that. Last year, that would have been in the back of the net, and we would have all been celebrating. But he, he, he falling apart. And then the second Liverpool goal, we get beat in the on the counter, and Lanzini just, like, runs into him as if he's like doesn't know how to play FIFA and just thinks that, oh, I can just hit stick him, and tries it and falls down, and they score yeah. How, you can't defend like that. You cannot defend like that. Not in this league. Well, he also doesn't really defend, period. Well, that, um, that's beside the point. You need you should know how to defend better than that. Unless your name is Pele, you know how to def- you should know how to defend better than that. Uh, I mean, it, that's been a criticism of his the, forever and he's been such a such a beautiful passer of the ball um, and a great runner uh, with the ball that we've forgiven a lot of that stuff. Um, but now that he cannot seemingly pass it to a teammate and he can't score and he's running, he will run with the ball, but he runs into three defenders and loses it. And so um, I think it's, it's 
he's shattered in terms of confidence. I think that he is so in his own head. Um, we have been terrible. He's been terrible. And now all the supporters are on his back. Everyone hates him. I'm a player faster than West Ham supporters on our own players. I mean, it's it's sad. Um, that's something that I really, uh, I really wished we were a little bit better about. Um, yes. You know, right. I mean, but but it's true. He's been playing terribly for a long time, and so um, he needs to sit. And I don't know what the answer is because I feel like if we sell him, he's going to rediscover himself and be great. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's that's how it kind of goes uh, with us. But I mean, for me, he just looks like a. I, I, I saw it on Twitter, and I, I think it sums it up pretty well. He looks like a boy amongst men out there right now. He can't hold on to the ball. He gets touched, and he's on the ground, or he uh, loses it. He can't connect. He can't score even when they're open goal sitters almost. So I I just don't see I, I know Moyes is infatuated with him again from the first time. I think he's trying to revert to a lot of what happened his first run through West Ham. But even then that wasn't a great success. I mean and he did what he needed to do but I mean, he went over that line. Um, so I, there, in the, the post match interview, he was even in, uh, um, invoking saying, Oh, I, I need him like I needed Arnautovic last time. I, and I don't agree with that at all. He's totally looking to the past and not looking at what we need now. The past, and, can, sometimes, the past can sometimes give you answers, but in this case, it's not going to. And he needs no. to realize the past where he realizes that Arnautovic is not here. We have Sebastian Allaire. Sebastian Allaire at least wants to be here now. What does he want to be here tomorrow? I don't know. But we need to start. We need to start playing better and looking to the past and looking at. Then Zinni, you in such great form. What happened? And just thinking that he's going to be in such great form now is not working. He's not. He needs to be broken down and rebuilt like the six million dollar man. Uh, yeah, and. To your point, uh, John, too, with selling him, I, with such a massive contract, with, he's getting paid a hundred thousand pounds a week. I don't know who, how much we'd be able to get for him. I don't know who. I don't know who would even want him at this moment. We must. We must have the world record for selling players and having to pay part of their salaries mm. so somebody else will take them off their hands. You know, how many times have we done that? Things that to learn. It's unreal. Um, you hear it all the time, but I mean, after the season at the bowl, uh, the final season at the Bolin, and the, the se- season or two after that, and even this summer, uh, he was getting sn- sniffs from Liverpool and Juventus. Yeah. Now we'd be lucky to sell them, and and that is such a massive hit on the books, well, and, and that's well, going to be just an, uh, allowed just another excuse for the owners of not being able to sell. Oh, our wages are too big. Honestly, I feel like he would he would do pretty well in Spain. He's got more time on the ball, where it's a slower pace. Uh, he yeah. could rebuild his confidence down there. Go somewhere like I think he'd be great at somewhere like Fiorentina. Uh, Mid really good, um, you know, tradition of playing football. Um, you know, maybe. You know, it seems like uh, Conte's buying every Premier League player he can get his hands on. Maybe he goes to Inter and becomes like, you know, the, the sparkling jewel, uh, pun intended, of, uh, wow. of, of Conte's resurgence. You know, like, well, because, because he, he doesn't look like the, the pace of the Premier League is just passing him by at the moment. And, you know, something you said um, kind, of, kind of made me think of, he looks like the 19-year-old out there making his debut 
not like, you know, where Gakia really didn't look that bad. And so he looks like a kid who's coming up who's out of his depth. Yeah, yeah. and it, it, you know, it's really, really sad that guys, that that this is happening to him and there's not much we can do about it. And I, I like it. So yeah. do I, but at the same time. 12, 12 days from now is his 26th birthday. Yep. He should be in the yeah, well, he so, should be in the end of his career, and it, it, he's taken such a massive step back that he looks like he's a youth player again. So my only thought would be to loan him out to a major league side, major league soccer side, for half for half the season. Call him back in August in Ju- or July, and let's see how he does because major league soccer starts later this month on the 29th. And I honestly think if you put him with a team. That needs a midfielder. Inter Miami needs a midfielder. DC United need, probably needs some guys. But if you can give get us to build this confidence back up, like Major League Soccer. Look, look what I did to Rooney. Wade Rooney. Oh, my career is done. I'm going to Major League Soccer. No, he arrives his fucking career. And now he's playing for Derby. That's but, a- dude, dude, no disrespect. Actual disrespect to the MLS. <laughs> um, no one wants to go there when they're 26. Yes. That, that means he'd be, he would be giving up. And not only that, but it'd be a terrible league for him to go to because some like 24 year old American who like was really bad at playing football destroy him out there. And, and he's not going to be able to really show and shine the way, uh, you know, he, he really has, he really has the ability to do. I'm not saying the MLS doesn't have some wonderful technical, uh, talented footballers, but, um, I, like I said, I think he needs to go to um, Spain. I think he needs to go to maybe even the correct Bundesliga team. And uh, I think, you know, he would he would really shine and do well. Yeah. All right. So moving on, because we had deadline day, Chris, we're going to let, let you talk about this. All right. What the hell was the drum with the guy from Hull City? So apparently he took a 13-hour train from Lon- uh, from Hull to London. It's a 13-hour train? What? No, no. Not, it, it's a, it's a every update. Every update. Oh, he's on his way. He's on his way. My God, how long is this train ride? Yeah. Um, but in the, in the dying hours of the transfer window, we actually uh, put in for a um, – Extension, a two-hour extension, and within that two-hour extension is when we ended up uh, sealing the deal. Wait, I, you can do a two-hour extension? I didn't know that. It's, uh, you can actually. Um, I I believe also you if you wanted if you needed to you could uh, file like file all of the paperwork and then do the medical after the deadline. Huh. As well, it's the paperwork that. It, if, but no, no, that, that's if your arsenal. Yeah, everybody else has to has to kind of you know stick so to that. Do so you have to fax the paperwork in? Do you have to fa- um, scan it in or what? How do they? I don't, I don't know how that works. I just know that you have to submit. The- I feel like they do have to fax it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was thinking they need West Ham have to use carrier pigeons or something to get to the FA. Yeah, um, but. In the in the long run, we ended up uh, sealing the deal for him. I think it was just like twenty two million pounds somewhere in that region. Something up front with like eight million in bonuses or something like that. I think yeah, yeah, something like that. I think he all, he may also have a um, relegation release clause. Um, so I mean, there's even more incentive to keep us up then, so that way he, 
automatically just go. I think something that I read was that uh, he was fighting the fact that um, every one of our players has like a 50 50 percent. Yeah, every single player within their contract uh, has a clause that if we are to get relegated, their pay automatically gets deducted in half. It's cut in half. Yeah, crazy. And so basically he was like, yeah, that's a real chance. I'm not doing it. Yeah. And, and we were like, uh, well, everybody gets it. And he was like, oh. <laughs> and so we were like, uh, this is going to make or break our transfer window. And it really did. I mean, like, uh, it, it went down literally to the last second. And that was, so I am, uh, doing a, like a, helping with a research study. Um, and we were in some training for it on Friday and I had my phone on the desk with me and I just had X uh, on notifications just waiting for the English flag, uh, eyes sideways emoji and the irons emoji. <laughs> when it finally happened, I'm just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, but the thing, though, that annoys me, I'm over the like, I'm extremely happy about this signing. Finally, some they brought in some English talent. Uh, promising talent uh, instead of passing him up like they did with uh, Madison and letting him go to Leicester. Um, but my God, we could have done that. We had a whole month to do it and you had to file an extension on the final day to get it over the line. I mean, that is the ultimate of procrastination. Uh, we're a shit show, man. I mean, like, everything should have been done minute one, but I mean, like they took, they, they fired Pellegrini two months late. I mean, yeah. uh, everything was, Oh wait, no, we're not in a rush. Um, and, and you know, of course there's no way we can know for sure, but being proactive instead of like way after the fact reactive, you'd like to think that we would not be sitting in the relegation zone right now. Yeah. No kidding. And I mean, so we also brought in, us. uh, uh Suchek, um, and obviously Darren Randolph. Uh, Dar- Darren Randolph is a decent backup. I'll give him that. Um, yes, he is. But at yep. the same time, we we did not sign a defender, and that hurt. That hurt. And it as we, as we saw on Saturday, we should have had a defender of some sort come in <coughs> because I yeah. think that would have been. I think that. Well, so the next now I'm going to give ask you to give that would have given. I would have given him an A if we would bring in a solid defender to come in. But instead, no, he gets a B minus from me. So now I'm going to ask you what what grade, as if a, as if it was a report card, what grade do you give Moyes for this transfer window? And yes, I understand that he's been that he came in with literally no time to do anything and get set up, and figure out our strengths and our weaknesses, and see who we need to bring in. But it's still it's problematic. Um, that, it, it's tough for me to give Moyes something for the simple reason being that I think that this falls on the board yet again, just not willing to either spend or the, the fact that we only have one scout employed. Um, it, it just doesn't make it for Moyes. I feel like I, I almost sympathize him, sympathize with him a little bit more than anything. Uh, if I were to give it a grade, I'd give the board a C plus B minus as well because they brought in players that, um, especially Suchek and uh, Bowen, who are younger, hungrier, and kind of fit fill a need that we had. 
but the fact that they left it so late and it was just nothing but besides Bowen, it was all loan deal, loan deal, loan deal. Um, so for that reason, like I, it's more on the board for me than noise. Yeah. Actually, you know what? So just looking at talent wise uh, at, at the quality that we brought in and not at the timing of it, I would actually give it a B because the three major areas we really needed to address um, I think we're addressed. We had to, um, and Randolph, uh, you know, if he's fit and he sure was, I mean, let's be, let's be fair. Um, you know, he, he came in and deputized completely fine. In fact, you know, Fabianski is the one that had the error that led to a goal. Um, even though there's, there's some controversy with that. Um, but you know, I thought Randolph did fine. Um, you know, n- none of the goals that went in on his watch, I felt, were attributed to him. Um, and then center mid, man. Center mid was the biggest issue for me. And I loved what I saw from Suchek. In fact, I really annoyed all the other people of West Ham Philly uh, at Stowe's Bar. because yeah, I, kept I, going, I wanted to talk to you about that one as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so at least I didn't make a complete ass out of myself. Um, well, uh, a little bit of a backstory. Uh, for those of you who may or may not know, I do the post-match uh, live streams uh, each and every week, or each, or basically every game. Uh, this week, though, Irish Tommy, my normal co-host, was not able to join me. So last minute, uh, Tim finds uh, Liam out in uh, California for me, and then he's like, wait, I also have uh, Katie from Philly. I'm like, oh, okay. And not really thinking too much of it. uh, Katie joins in the call uh, right as we're starting and she's at the bar and she's just screaming her head off (laughs) Um, and then all of a sudden John appears (laughs) well they they asked asked me to do it and I was like I "I can't do it man Yeah, she ends up passing the phone to this guy who I have no idea who he is. I've never seen him on the show, never, never once heard his name, and he's just recording or himself on her phone, just forehead and nothing else. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, he's a he's a good dude. But yeah, well, Katie, Katie was in a different state than I was. Uh, yeah. Oh, she was right. in a different state. She was she was doing great, um, and I was trying to jump in and you know say a little bit of stuff um, just because you know me I like to run my mouth, and um, yeah it was it was fun to see you the the, the reception was terrible oh, yeah. uh, in, in the bar it was atrocious outside we could barely get internet um, yeah that was kind of a hilarious thing I, in fact I was like oh my god I can't wait to talk to Chris later <laughs> <laughs> I immediately texted or like DM Tim afterwards I'm like well that was a shit show <laughs> <laughs> Katie if you're listening to this we love you yes. um, I but so you guys saw the scene that I saw with Suchik that he looked fantastic in his debut I yes. really think that him staying in in the lineup was going to be great um, so let's talk about Brighton, Hovey, and Albion. Yeah. Herzog has a terrible name. <laughs> but I guess nothing is worse. That's a very traditional name. And, <laughs> you know, it's, Albion is, uh, you know, one of the most storied names for England. So. Didn't know and, that. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, so um, and Fredericks comes back. We're playing three up front. I was thrilled seeing that. We finally get three up front. I'm like, three up front, three up front. In the beginning of the year, Tifu football made a thing about Sebastian Allaire and how Sebastian Allaire was so successful at Frankfurt. And it was because he was playing three up, they were playing three up front. And that gave him the opportunity. And when he gets the ball in an attacking situation, he can either pass the ball, he can dribble the ball, or he can shoot the ball. And that allowed him to be very successful in that, in that situation. Um, Frankfurt. However, when we first got him, we were playing him one. We were playing him solo, and that didn't work for him. But I saw massive improvements offensively, mm-hmm. and I think getting those three goals really showed to me and to Moyes as well that this is the way to go forward offensively. I don't know what you guys saw, but that's what I saw. I really hope so as well. Um, I, I'm trying to remember here. Where was uh, Snodgrass playing at? On the right. It was on the right? Okay. I couldn't remember. For some reason, I was thinking he was in midfield, and I was going to say, even though it was three up front, we... because he cuts in constantly. So he's on the right, but he's constantly cutting in. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I still... For me, I still struggle with Allaire. Um, I love the three up front. Uh, I think once... If we inject Bowen into the right, or even as, like, almost like a number 10... um, I think that that'll do wonders. I th- and then Anderson out on the left when he comes back uh, into fitness. But for me, Allaire, I just don't know about him. It, st- I still struggle with him. Yes, we don't accommodate to his strengths. And I get that and everything, but he doesn't help himself. He's not trying to adapt. He's not trying to uh, succeed for himself. He's just kind of like, well, oh, well, I, there's nothing here helping me. Um, so I, I think that that's going to be do really well. Um, I think the critical error in that match, I, and we talked about a little bit on the live stream, was Moise's substitutions. We're too late. We're in the second manager this season who does not know how to utilize substitutions. Masuaku should never have come on. We should have never revert, changed. I think Mikel Antonio should not have been taken off regardless of his level of fitness. He was, he was the difference maker. You know, somebody uh, on these up mother Brown made this amazing point um, that we played five people that were out of fitness. And so eventually we're going to have to sub them off. So, you know, the basically we sacrificed uh, the last 30 minutes to accommodate the first 60 minutes. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, you, there's a definite argument to, to say that that's true, or, you know, and, or that that's okay. Clearly the result showed that, that it didn't work. Um, but to get to the original point, I saw four, three, three, man. And I was pumped. I was like, Oh my God, we're doing it. Like we're really doing it. We're, we're changing four, three, three. And, we're and I was like, look at that team. Look at, look who, look who's playing. And, and like, in fact, the only weakness I saw was Snodgrass, and Snodgrass scored two fucking goals. <laughs> so um, I, I was confident telling people, don't worry, Bowen's going to take Snodgrass's place. And, and like Snodgrass does to all of us all the time, proves us wrong every single game. God Sweet. bless you, Snotty, you genius. Well, but also look at his free kicks. His free kicks were amazing. The first beautiful. one, beautiful. The one to D up, he was just there and was able to hit it home. Like, 
Well, Chris, Diop looks better up top right now than he does uh, as a center back. I mean, like, is, that was a beautifully taken goal. Are you kidding me? He stretched that like Inspector Gadget leg out. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. He looks All great. Right. I'm going to have to, when we're done with this, I'm going to have to watch Inspector Gadget because I love that movie. I feel like well, a little kid now. No, so, dude, we just, we need to bring in like Sam Allardyce just to coach Diop and just to be like, mate, put it up on the other side of the pitch, or in row Z. That's your job. Don't pass it. Don't try to get it back to the uh, to the goalkeeper. Just do this. I'm going to sit over here, drink a pint of wine, and you just kick it as hard as you can. You well, did just back. actually would have done well because him trying to get it back to Fabianski cost us the second. So That's my point. Like, Just kick it. Kick it really hard. Pretend you're an eight-year-old who's only had an American soccer education because that's all they teach us. Boot it. Boot it. Right? So yeah. just boot it. Okay, so if we do bring back Sam Allardyce in any capacity, can we pay with Big Macs? Yes. <laughs> no, why? No, no, no. We need to figure out how, how Andy Reid gets paid for the Chiefs and pay him in that because Andy Reid is a, as big as a man as man. Sam Allardyce is. I got a big soft spot for old Sam Allardyce, that that lovable scoundrel. Um, Actually, hang on. I would love to see a super wrestling match. Andy Reid, Sam Allardyce. Oh, my gosh. Sam wins. Yeah. Sam wins. He's crafty, bro. He's, I don't know. I don't know. I got to give a couple he's of – crafty. He got, he, he's got a lot of money from getting little cuts and pieces from, you know, what stuff all over the place. He's not, he's not like dirty, winky, airy. You know, he's not, he's not a red nap, but, um, you know – Anyway, I do the. I love the four three three. I thought, and I thought Suchek was amazing. Yes, I, I mean not because Suchek would be in the back, like helping out, um, like intercepting a ball, pressuring someone. And the next thing I know, you guys are talking about Alaire. Like um, Suchek was the one supporting Alaire. Like I, it was nuts. Like Alaire would bring the ball back, uh, bring the ball down, and Suchek would be the one like there for the layoff. Suchek was ahead of him a few times, and. I was like, oh, my God, we have a box-to-box midfielder. And yeah. an, important, an important point to make is that he's already up to speed in the, in the Premier League. He looked, he looked like he'd been playing for us all season, except yeah. we would have, like, at least five to ten more points if we had. Like, yes. He was – I don't know. I mean, like, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm bigging him up a little bit too much. We still drew. Um, but I, I thought he did as well as he could. No fault of Suchek. No. He played he – played I thought it was a wonderful debut – um, I, I'm very excited to see kind of what he does, but but the issue is that we like Suchek is great, and we need now we need another central midfielder who can eventually take Mark Noble's place. That's yeah. what we need, and Mark Noble even knows that. Yeah, he's been saying it in the past. Yeah, um, I, that's what I've been trying to wrap my brain around. Uh, looking forward to this to the Man City match. I, I honestly don't know who to put in that midfield. or once I, I shouldn't say Man City. I, sh- I should say once we're up to full strength. Because now we have Fornals, we have Suchek, Noble, Snodgrass, Rice, potentially Bowen. I mean, I, I just don't Anderson. know how to accommodate that, all that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing uh, moving forward, but it's just I don't know how to configure it. So I don't think most people do. To be quite honest, I don't think most people do. I think it's like ha- it's having too many toys as a young child and not enough time to play with all of them. 
and you're just going to be looking at some of them and you're going to be like, I don't like that toy anymore. I want to get rid of it. And next thing you know, it's a goodwill. And then a couple of days later, it's like, but I'm just blah, 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 toy. It's like, I donated to goodwill and they cry about it. But because that's, that's probably happened to some kids. But at the same time, it's going to be, it's a problem that he's going to have to face. But I want to talk for a minute about that, that second goal. Um, so I was watching the highlights um, before when coming over the outline for this podcast. And one of the things that struck me as bizarre was it said that in the past 10 minutes, between the 64th and 74th minute, West, uh, West Brom had, wait, there West was, Brom. Why, yeah. put, why the, why the fuck did I put WBA? No one had to know that she did that. Um, <laughs> Brighton, yeah. Brighton. It, it's been a, by the way, it's been a very, very long past. All good. 30 hours. Anyways, so Brighton had 75% percent percent um, possession. And that struck a chord with me. Because we were playing so well in the first half. And let me pull up our, our position. So in the first half, we actually only had 42% uh, ball possession. Possession. Seemed like a lot more, didn't it? Well, the... And Moyes is not one of these possession-based managers. Moyes is kind of, he's a little more like Allardyce, where it's like the ball needs to be in the right part of the pitch, and then you need to be hard to break down when you don't have the ball, right? So at least Moyes looks like he believes in pressing, which is good, which is most, you know, most possession-based teams believe in pressing. But he's not one of these possession-based managers like Pellegrini said he was, even though we couldn't hold the ball then because we couldn't pass it. Uh, Well, you know, it's a separate issue. But, um, you know, I thought when we had the ball, we got it up quickly. We were dangerous. We we looked, you know, great going forward. Um, second half, uh, we we again we as soon as they scored right off the bat, we got spooked. And when we got scared, we started misplacing passes. One mistake leads to another. Then they get that idiotic goal where the ball is trickling back. And Ogbana should have just said, no, Diop, you're obviously not getting it. I'm going to kick it out. Then Diop was like, no, 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 I'm going to get it. I don't know what he was trying to do. It looked like he was trying to snake charm it. Like he got down and he's like, he's like, you know, about to like, like sing to it or chant to it or something. And it's going to rise up. He was trying to kiss his boo-boos. I, it's so bizarre. I don't, because Fabianski was like, Fabianski was standing there like, I'm not coming for it. What are you doing? And, and, you know, then it allows um, the you know their attacker just to come through and, and just poke it awkwardly past our entire defense. Um, yeah, so I don't I, I don't know I don't know what to do with that. I mean, like clearly, yeah. clearly, clearly Moyes had uh, had a, um, a part of that because he set up the team and that that's when they they took possession, they took control of the match, and they were pressuring us. So we got spooked into making mistakes. But at the same time, you expect a Premier League center back to be able to deal with that situation, and we didn't. Yeah, um, I, I had no idea what he was doing. Um, and overarching for me, uh, I think the biggest issue I had with that match, with it being a draw. Now, for me, had Brighton managed to fight back and they just turned out to be the better side and able to score a couple goals on us, it would have been one thing. But two of those goals were self-inflicted. And the third, I mean, we're going to get into it, but I don't think it should have been. 
a goal for one, but regardless, it shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. No, no, you mean, you mean the guy who always scores against us standing by himself while three of our defenders are on the other side of the goal? Is that what you mean? Seven goals in 10 matches against us for Mr. Glenn Murray. If he only played against us, we would be talking about him the way we talk about Ronaldo. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it was, everything was self-inflicted and I think that's the biggest heartbreaker for me. Well, so I want to, so in the, in the lineups and they were pronounced when they were announcing him, it's like, and Glenn Murray, who hasn't gotten a start since September, who always finds a way to score against West Ham. Like, do we have to remind us that we can't stop this guy? And he's just like that leak in the dam that doesn't want to go away. It feels like every, at least, every team has at least one player like that. I mean, for the longest time, it was Lukaku. Oh, God. Him. And Murray now. Now we don't have to worry about Lukaku because he's in, Eng- or in uh, Italy. But um, well, and, and we've always been, are you struggling? Have you not scored in 10 matches? Are you, are you going through a bad period of form? Play West Ham United. I mean, come, come on down. You're the next yeah. contestant on score against West Ham. Yeah. Right. And look what happens afterwards, man. Like Everton were doing so terrible. They play us, they win, and then they slowly find form again. And I mean, it's going to happen. Man City just lost, right? So, so we're guaranteed to lose. Well, so hey, yeah. have you guys ever heard of the Exploding Heads? The band? No, yes. not, not the band. They're an ESPN UK thing. Um, uh, Ian oh, Five Angels. No. Uh, look, go on Facebook and look them up. They're hilarious. But they were doing. Premier League thing for what you get your Premier League um, your Premier League fan in your life and when he came to West Ham it's like this West Ham welcome match like ding dong oh hello here's three points thank you come again and they leave and it was just kind of like uh, harsh oh my, fair. Harsh oh my god fair. I'm like Aunt Alan is there Andy Andy I love you but that hurts I actually met him he's a really funny dude he's a really nice guy he does all the bad British commentary stuff. So if you ever seen bad British baseball commentary, he does it. Oh, oh, it's hilarious! It's hilarious. I'm sure. I'll, I'll, maybe I should start doing bad American cricket commentary. <laughs> I don't want to at all. They're yelling "wicked" again. I still don't know what that means. But I'm jumping around like a bunch of banshees. That's right. And, and they got the finger, and he's they're number one. They're number one, anyways. How can any sport have something called a century? It makes no sense to me. There it's a hundred runs. It's a hundred runs. Yeah, that, I don't understand that. Oh my god, you! I've had so many English people explain cricket to me, and every single time at the end of it, I look at them and I go, "It doesn't make sense." And they're just like, "You are the thickest piece of shit I've ever." And I'm like, "I don't get it." Took me years to understand cricket, but now I can play. I understand the game enough to be able to go to a game and enjoy the game. Trust I've me. never, I've never even attempted to learn cricket. So it, it's tough. It's tough. It takes a lot of time. Super it's, over. Just, it's just fun, frustrating English people as well. So I mean, <laughs> well, like, that I can help you with. But the super over last year, the Cricket World Cup between England and New Zealand was the most dramatic sports thing of the last year. I could not believe that they were tied at the end of fifty overs, and everyone's just standing around. If their noses are going, what the hell do we do? And they're like, it's a super over. You get no one's out. Go for it. And I was just watching this going live. Like, oh, my God, this is so dramatic. I was Zach. yelling and screaming like a mad idiot. And anyways. Zach, you've lost every single person who isn't English that listens to this podcast. 
So basically everyone. <laughs> I but I don't know, but so we lost. But I don't know about you guys, but it looked like we lost a lot after uh, we were up for one. We just kind of took took our foot off, off the gas. It hit the brake a little and just played. Oh, you want the ball? Oh, here's the ball. Oh, you want the ball? Okay, here's the ball. It's kind of like when the um, kind of like when Socrates played soccer, uh, played soccer in the Greeks versus the German philosophers in Monty Python Flying Circus. That's what funny. Are we, we don't know. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but seriously, what what? And they were just kind of like they lost all drive. They didn't want to to dump to back up the dump truck and pour it on. They just wanted to just pass it around and not care. I'm like. You can't let your foot off the brake at all in this league. They're going to eat you alive, and that's exactly what happened. No, you're right. I mean, you're you're absolutely right, man. And because of that, we're now bottom three. We were only top. We were only above the bottom three at the start of the week due to goal differential. Now we are what? I think we're a point behind. We're in 18th year. We're a point behind Villa. Yeah, but we are. Right. Two points behind fifteen. So, so can we can we talk a little bit more though about the about the substitution situation? I, I've, got, I've got something I want to say about that. Yeah. Um, so the first thing is I think the the because like when when exactly did Mazwaku come on? I'm trying to look right now. Seventy fourth minute. So I don't think I don't think important substitution. It was Solly March coming in for Aaron Moy. Solly March played like Pele. He played like, I mean, we made Solly March, which how many, everybody out there, I can't see you raise your hand. How many people know who Solly March is? I do because I remember some people on these up Mother Brown saying we should have signed him a couple years ago. That's all. That's how, that's the only way I know who he is. Um, he came on there. Like we had no idea how to how to play against him. He made us look like a bunch of kids chasing a ball. I mean, he played us off the pitch. He was and he came on in the seventy second minute. Um, then we were like, "Oh, they're getting up the upper hand." I know what we'll do. We'll put on Mazwaku for Antonio. And when I saw that, actually, I wasn't worried because I was like, "Oh, it makes sense. He's on the left. We're going to keep the same formation. Mazwaku's going to play like uh, you know attacking left." That's fine. It was not fine because then we reverted to that stupid five-back system we've already talked about. We completely um, stopped pressuring their attacking fullbacks, which let them get up the pitch. Next thing you know, we're outnumbered in midfield. We're outnumbered um, because we have our uh, our wingbacks are constantly out of position. They're not tracking runners. And then we're overwhelmed over and over and over. And every time the ball uh, got picked off of us, it was Solly March. And he was on one end. He was on the other. He was drifting inside. He was, he was everywhere. We had nothing to do with him. And what does Moyes do? I know what I'll do. I'll go ahead and firm up the situation. I'll take out Robert Snodgrass, who runs, runs, runs nonstop. And I'll put on Manuel Lanzini. That to me was when we really talking about the substitution of Maswaku, which I mean, yeah, it's because Maswaku especially had a part to play in the second goal. Um, you know, he completely lost his man. Um, they got that cross in, uh, or, you know, and that's how that's how the ball got into that dangerous area, whatever. Um, but Lanzini comes on. What is Lanzini going to do? 
I mean, like, he hasn't been keeping the ball well. He hasn't been no. uh, countering well. So, like, why in the world would you put yeah, – that's when you should put Fornals on just to run at people or someone else. Hell, put in another center back. I don't care. Just go Tony Pulis about it. You know, like, do something. But, like, there was a completely terrible idea. And then he fi- when he finally does take um, put uh, Fornals in, it's for Suchek. I mean, like, it so, makes no sense. I mean, I understand you want to get probably tired. He was probably exhausted. His first Premier League match, and he makes it eighty-five minutes. Come on, I, guys. I, I do also think that that was uh, Suchek's first match in like three weeks. Yeah, so Suchek was probably wore wore out, and like, I completely get it. But for Nalls, I mean, like, now now part of this, guys, is 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 the fact that that's how weak our team is. That these are the only options off the bench. But still, yeah. seriously, put Cordoza in as a child and stick him in, in, you know, right beside a Declan Rice and be like, you kick the ever-living shit out of anyone that comes near our goal. Well, so hang Seriously. on. So do you, you guys know who J. Jonah Jameson is, right? Jonah Jameson? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard of her. No, J. Jonah Jameson from Spider-Man. The oh. editor for the Daily Bugle. I thought you were talking about Jonah Jameson. I, 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 no, 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 I'm talking about J.K. Simmons when he was playing J. Jonah Jameson. Chris was talking about Get me pictures of Spider-Man. Get me pictures of Spider-Man. Damn it. Where are pictures of Spider-Man? We need boys to do that and start yelling, where is, where are people? We need people to start acting like him and get angry and get physical and get mad and want goddamn pictures of Spider-Man. I want pictures of Spider-Man. I fucking want pictures of Spider-Man. Man, I don't know, man. That's late, especially when we're up 3-1 and we're like, oh, we're winning. We can take a load off. No. Two... Two goal leads are the worst leads in sports. Yeah, I get that because you're comfort, comfortable, yeah. But, like, I don't want Jose Mourinho out there running around. John no, 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 I don't want Mourinho. Mourinho does, not, Mourinho does not know how to walk on a carpet on ice. Well, and just falls, on the, falls, falls flat on his ass, which is still hilarious to me. But Mourinho cannot control a team well. I'm looking for somebody who can control a team well and can get his point across. Somebody kind of like... El Loco over in Leeds. Look at how well he's doing in Leeds. Look, Bielsa is fucking everywhere he goes. Bielsa demands the team well. That's because if you if you give him one hundred percent complete control and you don't even speak to him unless he speaks to you first, then he is one of the most brilliant managers of the last fifty years. But there are only a handful of situations in which that can work, and. No one thought Leeds would be one of those situations, but good on them for being brave enough to get out of his damn way. But that would never happen with David Sullivan. Are you kidding me? We have literally the Dan Snyders of of soccer, yeah. and it's, prob- it's problematic. You cannot be expected to to have a winning team if your hands in it all the time. Hell, look when. When the major league, the commissioner of major league baseball, I think I don't remember who banned George Steinbrenner from baseball for I think it was three or five years, can't remember which, but pretty much said get out of the, you're, pretty much you're only allowed to come to the game, sit down and shut up, barely that. And the Yankees started doing a hell of a lot better in the seventies and eighties once that happened, but that took an act of God. And we don't have, there's no commissioner of this league like there is in major league baseball, and. We don't have anyone to say, yeah, get out of the ownership group. Just, like, get out, get sit in your box and shut up. That's well, how the sport works. They do. It's called, um, oh gosh, what is it called again? Uh, the, the fair and blah, blah, blah person. 
you know, they have to pass like a test, right? Like, a, like there's a series of things they have to do to be considered to be um, worthy of owning a Premier League club. But we all know that that's a joke. Basically, it means do you have enough money? If you have enough money, you can do whatever you want. And, you know, a lot of smug people look at me and go, that's capitalism, John. But, um, you know, it doesn't make it right. All right. Anyways, we got what? Manchester City coming up? Or why? Why? This is the point of their podcast, and if you haven't been done so, you need to take a shot. Because we got yeah. Manchester City coming up on the 9th. We got a break. Then we have Liverpool on the 24th. Then we have Southampton on the 29th. And that's probably the only game I'm going to get a point from in the next three. And then we got Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham, Chelsea, Newcastle, Burnley. Yep. Norwich. And that's April. Then we got three more games against Watford, Man U, and Aston Villa. Yep. If unless we get wins against Southampton, Wolves, uh, Newcastle, Burnley, and Norwich, and Watford, and uh, probably Villa. We're fucked. We are fucked. So I, I, I've been saying this on Twitter. There are some, there are some things that are helping us that are going our way. Uh, if you look at the first of all, <clears throat> the other three candidates for uh, the drop because it's almost as much as I hate to say it, it's almost a foregone conclusion at this point that uh, Norwich and probably Bournemouth are going down. Um, but Watford, um, Watford, Villa, and I believe, uh, forget who the other one is, but we played the three other contenders for the drop as well. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, and then on top of that, Villa and Watford, all, every single match that they have as bad as ours is, is just as bad. Their remaining games, they play literally every one of the top half sides. So they have just as, as if not tougher schedule than we do. And then the added benefit that we have is, if it comes down to it, is the last match for our, of our season is home to Villa, which I personally think that's going to be ends up, ends up going to be a winner take all match. The greatest game two point There's yeah. no there's no better way to describe it than the greatest game two point Yeah, I hate to Let say it. Give you the current relegation odds uh, as according to uh, Bet three six five. They heavily favorite uh, Norwich. Uh, at one to ten, then they have Aston Villa at ten to eleven, Bournemouth at eleven to eight, and tied with Bournemouth at eleven to eight is West Ham United. So how does one bet? So if I put a hundred dollars in West Ham to go down, hypothetically, how much would I get back? I don't know. How do you one read that? It doesn't make sense. It's not yeah. like horse racing. I, I do some sports betting, but I'm not even very. So I'm not good with like three to one odds. Or so my understanding is that usually you have to bet the first amount to win the second amount. So eight dollars to win eleven. Yeah. Okay. That yeah, that's not very good odds. Yeah. So. Or is it the other way around? Two to one. Two to one is. Next time you come on the podcast, I will. We will have figured it out, and I will have an answer for you. Guys, I don't bet. My buddy, I got I got some friends here who would be mortified uh, if they heard me. But but every time they're talking about over under, I'm like, what? Huh? Well, the over under, the over under point spread stuff like that. I get that. It's stuff like that that I don't. It's so like horse crazy. race. This is why I only bet on horse tracks because we have like three to one odds, or a five to one, or a hundred to one. That makes sense to me. That make that I get. You put down a hundred dollars. 
and you get a hundred pounds. I'm smart. I only play roulette. <laughs> I was expecting you to say Baccarat or something like that. Oh yeah, a little James Bond. Um, you know, though, man. Um, I think I think we're going to have to do something that West Ham doesn't like to do. Something that David Moyes doesn't like to do. And that is and what something that something that all of our fans like to do. I think we want we need to be brave. Yes, I think for the rest of the season. I don't think getting ultra conservative. I don't think going five at the back. I don't think tightening it up and trying to survive is going to work. I think we have to be brave. I think we have to go, you know what, four three three. That's our new system. That's what we have that gets the best out of our players. Play it every match. Don't, you know, because because one of the great things about that system is it pins the opposing team's fullbacks. And fullbacks are just as much attackers as anyone nowadays. So, yeah. you know, like, look at Liverpool. What are you going to, like, you're going to, like, throw your fullbacks way up the pitch and just leave their, like, rapid, fast as lightning um, attackers up there by themselves? No. So, you know, if we if we have some we, – now we have Bowen and we have um, Antonio. I mean, that's going to put the fear of God into any fullback in the league. Yeah. I mean, and so, and, and Allaire can finally be the intelligent, like, linking player that he should be, and both can score. So, I mean, we, we have to another key point. Bowen needs to hit the ground running. Yeah. there, There's no time for adjustment. No, there isn't. He needs to he needs to have a suit check where he comes in and he's like, boom, I'm here, I am good to go. But that's the good thing about him is that he was in the championship. It's not a world away. It's not Allaire who was playing. Well, yeah, it's pretty. It might be. I know that uh, the championship is considered one of the hardest leagues in the world. So there is. I mean, it might be almost as bad as it sounds. Almost like a step down a little bit. So well, it's 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 you know, up against Man City. So he's not going to be shocked by the physicality. He's not no. going to be shocked by the pace. You know, if, if you know, he's going to be shocked by some of the talent he comes across. But if he's trying to run past them and rifle a ball into the back of the net, then like you know, more power to him. That's what we want him to do. So, um, but a, another thing is that if we are putting pressure on the other team's defense, we are not inviting pressure on our defense. And I think that our defensive mindset is so fragile that we need to focus on doing the opposite. We need to focus on pressuring the other team and that 4-3-3 does that. So we need to be brave. We need to go for it. We cannot sit back and play, you know, percentage football and hope everything works out. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. And on that note, I think that's a great place to end it because the only thing left to say is that we have Man City and I hope to God we don't get five past us again. Fix bayonets. Fixed bayonet. What? The? No. I'll, I'll explain that to you guys uh, uh, after the. Hang after on, the hang on, hang on. Fixed bayonets are terrible weapons. You, you put it on your gun and you. It's a reference to a movie. It's a West Ham reference. I'll tell you later. Okay, because I'm thinking it's a Civil War reference. Because I'm it's going to Gettys. Reference. I'm going to Gettysburg for President's Day weekend. I've never been. So, and so I'm just like, from what I've learned about guns, bayonets are terrible weapons. They just like. God awful, it's so stupid. And anyways, why do we even have them in reserves? I don't know. Thank, hashtag thanks, Obama. Seriously, though, thank you, Obama, for that one. And on that note, um, I want to thank you. You know, what I'm, you know the debate I'm talking about. Uh, what is happening anymore? I don't know. Thanks for, this point, guys. Just, thanks for listening. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for Chris and John for coming on. Thank you to Tim and Lee 
for allowing us this platform to continue to talk about West Game United and how it kills us almost weekly now, and it may just cause us to have a massive heart attack in, Mar- in May. I hope to God it does. But until next week, I am Zach, and I am signing off. Goodbye. Good night, everybody. This has been an American Hammers radio production on AmericanHammersTV.us.